Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Erica Anderson. She's the author of Be Bad First, Get Good at Things Fast to Stay Ready for the Future. It's great to have you with us. It's lovely to be here. This is your fourth book. Congratulations. Thank Off you. the bat, very impressive. Um, the title, Be Bad First. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you mean by bad? Why so, first, not second? <laughs> yes. So it's about being a novice. So, And we'll talk about this a lot, I'm sure. But the premise of the book is that now, the key skill for everybody is to be able to learn new things quickly and continuously. Everything's changing so quickly. Right. And one thing that's really hard for us as grown-ups is when we're learning something new, we're bad at it. And you have to be bad first in order to get good. Do you find that there's a trend people don't want to learn new things? Because it's a pride thing. They, they're afraid to... People say they want to learn new things. Right. Do they do right? it, though? They don't really. Because... Learning new skills especially, you have to put yourself in that very vulnerable position yeah. of, I'm a novice. Right. I don't know how to do this. We kind of hate that. We like being good at things. In fact, we love being good at things. But we don't particularly like getting good at them. Yeah, I think vulnerable is the key word. Uh, the subtitle is, get good at things fast to stay ready for the future. Why fast? How fast? So that's the essence of the book. We, we created over years, discovered and created, that there are four mental skills that people who are good at learning things are good at. Mm -hmm. And so by using those mental skills, you can kind of turbocharge your ability to learn. You can just get, so it's like getting out of your way so that you can learn much more quickly. In the beginning of the book, you make it very clear that as you're reading this, you're probably thinking, oh, this is about failing fast or failing forward, but you say that completely different. How so? Yeah, it's very different. And almost everyone I've ever explained this to, their brain sometime in the first 30 seconds goes, oh yeah, failing, failing forward, I know that. Yeah. So failure is actually not that hard. It's just a one-time thing, you're embarrassed, and then you're done, and then you, you know, you're on to the next. Mm -hmm. What's actually much harder is being a novice, because it's this sort of long, early phase where you're slow, and you're clumsy, and you got to do things over and over again, and ask right. a bunch of dumb questions. That's actually much harder. Yeah. And there might be some failures along the way, but the hard thing is to go through that novice state till you can really start to get good. So it's a journey. Precisely. That's the difference. It's yeah. not a... It's not a a, a small little it's not an event, an event it's a journey a that's a start and a finish exactly okay right. it's exactly a journey right. um so who is this book for well the thing i love about this book is um and my publisher didn't like me saying this but it's for everybody i mean it's for anybody who really understands that the most powerful response to change is to be able to change, is to be able to learn and grow and develop new skills and new capabilities. So anybody who sees that as a critical part of their success, this book is for them. It, personal capacity or professional capacity or both? Either. Toward the end of the book, I have a list of, here's some things you might want to use this for. And right. it's just this list of knit, learn a new language, be good at data analytics, you know, bunch of stuff. Right, right. We were just saying off camera, you're opening a new office in exactly. Chile. We were speaking Spanish and we were, you know, learning new languages. There's so many things in this book, like you, said, you just said it, can be applied to so many different uh, exactly. disciplines. Um, let's just take a step back, Erica. Tell everyone your background. Sort of what made you feel that you could, you could write about this successfully? 
So I, in 1990, after about 10 years in the kind of learning, training, consulting field, I started my own company, which is called Proteus. And our focus has always been to help people get clear about the future they want to create for themselves and then create it. And so almost all of what we do is based in helping people get out of their way, learn new things. And we have now three offices worldwide and 20 consultants, and we do coaching, executive coaching, training, facilitation. And so the first three books I wrote were about aspects of that, about managing people, leading well. And actually, the, this book arose from my last book. Mm. So the last book I wrote was about how to lead people so they'll sign up for your leadership. And as I was doing interviews for that book, I got all these questions about, well, you know, really, can you get to be a better leader? And I would always go, yes, if I didn't think that, I wouldn't have written this book, right? right. Um, but people would say, then, how? How do you learn to be a leader? And I found myself saying the same things over and over again. And as I said them, I realized, wow, that's true of everything. These four things, mental skills that I kept talking about, in my own life, and as I looked around at people that I know who are good leaders, I saw, wow, they're doing these things again, these things we come to call anew. Anew, which we'll yeah. get to in a moment. It's a great acronym. But I'm just curious, from your own personal experience, how were you bad first, and then you became better? Oh, I can give you 150,000 examples. <laughs> Pick the best um, one. The, the best one Pick is the worst one. Out of is, the bad. The, is, is a recent one. Um, uh, you and I were talking off camera before. I, I learned kind of, you know, Spanish in high school, like a lot of people do, uh -huh. and then spent 40 years telling myself, I really got to get better at this. <laughs> and then last year, I decided, okay, this is a great, a great, you know, exercise in eating my own dog food, kind of. So I decided to get good at Spanish. And one of the things that I decided to do in order to do that, we have a consultant who is uh, fluent in four languages, a woman named Vanessa. Wow. And so I said, Vanessa, how about if we have um, conversations in Spanish a couple of times a month? We'll speak Spanish. I'll learn Spanish. You'll learn more about our business, because she was new to us. She said, great. And before the first one, I was so nervous and so like, oh, I'm going to look terrible, and my accent's going to be bad, and I'm not going to know words. And so I used my own process. I just shifted the way I was talking to myself about it. And what I said instead was, I'm going to be bad at this. I'm going to be bad at this. It's new to me. And I bet I can get good. I've gotten good at a lot of things. And it turns out that's like the optimal mindset mm. for new learning. I'm going to be bad at first, and I bet I can get good. And I just felt my nervousness go down, the, that awful kind of static in your head of, I'm an idiot, I'm going right. to be terrible. It just kind of, and it was so much easier. Yeah. And I noticed that even by the end of that first conversation, I was starting to get better. Because when your mindset is correct, then you have the bandwidth to learn. Right. It's just, just accepting that there's this learning curve. Precisely. And not putting this absolutely unrealistic expectation on yourself at the beginning that I'm going to be an expert. How could you? Nobody can do that. It's impossible. Do you find, though, with the digital age we're living in, Erica, that that seems to be you know, more prevalent than ever? Yes. This idea, you know, everything's so fast, so immediate. Yes. So there's no patience. There's, there's, no, uh, there's uh, no saying I'm going to be bad because it's like I want to be an expert now. Right now. You're absolutely right. First, there's no patience. And second, the, you know, the media stories of people make it sound like Suddenly, at the age of 25, somebody's a star. It's like you know exactly they right. worked so hard for the last 10 years, starting out bad, getting better, better, better. So we miss that part of the story. So we have unrealistic right. expectations about ourselves. That's why I think this book is so terrific because this is, this is the book. I mean, everyone needs to read it, but millennials specifically, I think they yes. can 
benefits so much from this concept that Rome wasn't built in a day. Exactly. You know, if you want to be your best self, you got to put in the work. And precisely. You know, maybe in the, you know in Silicon Valley things happen overnight, but uh, that's not there, that's there's not the norm. An, another part of the model that I found is particularly useful for millennials. So to to do a little explanation, so the uh, the model that the book is based on has an acronym, ANU, mm -hmm. and it stands for, as you know, having read the book, mm -hmm. Aspiration, Neutral Self-Awareness, Endless Curiosity, and Willingness to Be Bad First. And aspiration simply means wanting. So most people think that they can't learn something. If they don't want to learn something, they won't learn it, that they can't change their level of aspiration. Mm. And millennials especially think this. It's like, I don't want to do that. Right. It's boring. I don't want to do it. But people who are great learners, they know that they can make themselves want things. Mm. So that's what aspiration is about. Neutral self-awareness is just be accurate. Be accurate about where you're starting from. If you think you're great and you're actually terrible, or you think you're terrible and you're actually great, you're not in a proper place to start learning. So that's what that's Accurate about. Accurate self-awareness, I think, is key with millennials because oh, I just feel absolutely. as though it's my, not everyone, just my experience is that <laughs> they know it all from the beginning. But the good thing is about millennials is they've gotten a lot of feedback in their, like if you go on Amazon, you can immediately see how 800 people think about this book. So mm -hmm. the concept of feedback is not foreign to them. Uh -huh. They just don't get enough of it right. that's accurate. Right. So if you can give it to them in a respectful way, they're... They're good. Accuracy is key, right? Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And then the third, endless curiosity. I love this one because we're all born with it. You know, if you've ever been around little kids, mm -hmm. they're relentless. They want to know and find out and learn and understand. We kind of get socialized out of that when we're adults. We think it's childish to go, ooh, tell me more about that. Yeah, I don't. But. <laughs> yeah, but that's why you're good at this. Um, uh, so you can re-engage that. A lot of people who aren't as curious as you, you can re-engage it. And the last one is that willingness to be bad first, which I think is the hardest for most people. Sure. Exactly what we were talking about before, to be a novice. Yeah. It's really hard. C-Suite Radio. You know, along those lines, there's an anecdote in the book that I enjoyed. I wanted to, for you to share briefly. You talk about a CEO and his frustration yeah. with you know getting a very successful uh, staff to embrace this idea yes. of failure. And to our earlier point, more being bad, if you will, even than failing. So um, the story was, and this is a real story. I was working with this media CEO who had to come in and make lots and lots of changes in his company. All media companies are changing now. And then he really wanted his team to come along with him. So he tasked them with, tell me something brand new that you're going to do in your area of the business. And they all kind of came back to him with basically little versions of the goals they were already committed to. Right. And he said, wait, this isn't different at all. Why are these people acting like this? And I said, because they're worried. Yeah. Here are these middle-aged experts who think that you've either hired them or kept them on because they're great at what they do, and you're asking them to get into that really vulnerable position of, tell me something you want to do that you're not going to be good at. Right, and making right? errors. Exactly. And having to risk not looking great. Right, because when, especially when you're that far ahead in your career, and it's like, if it's not broken, why should I fix it? Precisely. But that's the place where innovation happens. That's the place where new learning happens. Unless people who are pretty senior in companies do that, the company won't grow. So all that said, Erica, how do leaders create a culture then where it's okay to be bad and start this process to get them out of their comfort zone? The most important thing is for them to model this themselves. Because when something is as scary as risking being bad, being a novice, 
if you're someone who's working in an organization, the first thing you're going to do is look at your leader and say, is it really okay? Is he or she doing it? So whenever we work with leaders, we say, if you really want your people to behave this way, you have to behave this way yourself. And I think if I was an employee, I would, I would want a real time example. Yes. It's one thing for the leader to say or the CEO to say, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. I want you to, yeah. you know, I want you to be bad first. And they say, okay. But I, no one's really going to do it. Another <laughs> CEO that I know is such a wonderful example of this. He has quarterly meetings with his top 20 or so people, and he will stop the meeting and say to somebody, I don't really understand what you just said. Can you back up and say it again like I'm a great. fourth grader? Yeah. And it just frees everybody to be able to ask those totally. same kinds of questions. How many times we've all been in those situations where you're not really getting it. You're looking around to see other people's expressions. Are they not following exactly. this either? But no one wants to be the first to admit it. Exactly. And that's really the whole, this, this whole idea of yeah. being bad first. Uh, it's so important. I always say it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Precisely. Right? You've got to own it. And that's this whole, this whole idea. It's very awkward to be bad first, especially when you're known as being such a success. Yes. Um, I want to end off, uh, Erica, on... Michelangelo. I wasn't expecting it. I was reading through. I was like, Michelangelo? Where'd yeah, that come from? Yes. He wasn't bad. <laughs> or so was he I, bad first? Well, he was, which is the great thing. I, I always like having a through line in books that mm -hmm. I write because I like to come back to it. I think that's helpful for the reader. And so the story is, that runs through all the book is Michelangelo doing the fresco of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And he did not want to do it. He didn't consider himself a painter. He tried to talk the Pope out of assigning it to him. And so once he was given it, he made himself want to do it. And he did that, as I suggest in the book, by thinking about what would be the benefits of doing this to me, the personal benefits. Right. Ooh, I'd be able to design this thing that no one's ever done before. He really thought about how it would benefit him, and he got inspired to do it. Right. And neutral self-awareness, he knew he wasn't a painter, so he hired people who were better painters than he, frescoists. He wasn't hesitant to do that at all. He knew what he was great at. He knew what he wasn't great at. Hugely curious. His curiosity led him, for instance, to build a kind of scaffolding that had never been built before that was so much safer than the kind that they were using at the time that no one got hurt in this whole three-year project. Wow. And then he was willing to be bad first. He actually, there's a wonderful, in a letter he says to someone, I'm terrible at this. I'm not a painter. I have to learn from scratch. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. He really, he was the first one to do it. I mean, he was. He's a he's great a, example of having A great done. example. And you put it into print. Yeah. yeah, you know, he, he did it and you put it into print. Um, the book's terrific. There's so much to learn. And Thank it's you. really the way, it, it's something that, I feel like we've all experienced it, but you're, yes. you're giving us the green light and saying this is why it's okay and this is how you do it. And like we said earlier, it could be applied yes. to so many facets of life. And I feel like this, because we all use it, I use it, it's very practical. It's a way to just kind of surf through all this change so that you can yeah. continue to thrive as right. things keep changing. And evolve. Uh, it's terrific. Congratulations on Thank book you. number four. Can't wait for number five. Thanks. <laughs> and if you'd like more information on the book, just go to our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. C-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.